Welcome to the Run for God podcast, the 5K Challenge, a 12-week journey from the couch to the 5K finish line. And so the fact that you're listening right now is good news. That means you've stuck with it so far. This is week four of the Run for God podcast, and uh, maybe you're struggling a little bit. That's okay. Maybe it is becoming easier for you. Listen, if you don't have your 5K Challenge materials, don't forget, you can go to runforgod.com and get those. And so far, we've discussed things to get you started as a runner. Well, today, we're going to talk about some things that are going to keep you running. And that's how to prevent injuries or how to work through them. Of course, I'm here with Mitchell Hollis and Dean Thompson from Run for God. And this week, we're also joined. Uh, I really feel it. I feel the presence here. A real authentic NCAA coach is here with us. Uh, this is Andy Meyer, the coach of the UTC Chattanooga and physical therapist. Oh, he's even a physical therapist, too. Wow. We are really. We're, how'd you all do that? How'd y'all get him to come in and do this? I don't know. It's just, it's all about who you know, isn't it? I guess so. Or what he owes you, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) We won't talk about that. That's right. Mitchell, is there anything that anybody out there needs to know as we get started today, right up front? Yeah. I mean, we just can't stress it enough that if it's, if it's feeling easy, that's okay. Uh, Don't try to do any more than what the program says. You know, we always say too much too soon is the road to injuries. Um, So stick to the program. If it's not feeling easy, stick with it. it. It, it will start to get easier. Good deal. Uh, Dean, anything you can think about? Yeah, don't forget that there's places to write things down, that uh, there's questions to answer at the beginning of each chapter to, to kind of plan your week through, and don't forget to do that. And also, when you get through with those workouts, write down your thoughts and feelings. I, I know that uh, that I get motivated to do that, and it, it helps me a lot. A lot of times it's uh, – um, it's really motivating for me in that I know that if I'm going to record everything and I don't have anything to record because I didn't do it, um, I don't want to have to do that. Yeah. So uh, it's motivating just to just to write those things down. If you've got your Run for God materials there, don't forget you can follow along, and there are questions at the beginning of every chapter, so please make sure that you take the time to answer those. So here we go. Mitchell, let's start off this week's. So what about the story today? Well, this story uh, from this week is is written by Cheryl Hall in Decula, Georgia, and she, she writes a story about something that I can really relate to. I think we all can relate to it, relate to this story in, in many aspects of our life. Okay, and the title for the for this week's story is "In It for the Long Road," and the story here, um, Cheryl talks about. She she asked. She starts off by asking a question. She says, "Do you ever feel like when you when you head out on your run that the devil laces up his shoes and he goes with you?" <laughs> and uh, it's something I think we all can relate to. But she she describes how many times when she goes out for a run that that the devil often fill her head with things like it's too hot, it's too cold. It might rain. Do you really have time? All yeah. the things that the devil just fills our head with sometimes. And and Satan doesn't enjoy running with an un- unwavering, thankful heart. And that's where Cheryl really parks at here. She talks about how to combat those types of thoughts, those types of feelings, that she starts being thankful. She starts listing off the things on a run that she's thankful with. Lord, the ability to yeah. get out here and run, the ability um, to do the things I'm doing, and and we can often counter those negative thoughts by by counting our blessings. You know, thank you, Lord, for the the ability to run, like I just said, um, for my friends and family, and just all the things. A lot of times, a thankful heart will combat the things that the devil often puts. In and our I mind. guarantee you, Satan won't be able to keep up with you at that point, will he? N- no, he wouldn't. And, and and you can't look back to see where he is. Um, but just thankful, thank the Lord for the breath in your lungs, the wind in your face, the the push at my back. Um, 
and, and praise the Lord for all the things that he gives you. Sometimes it just feels good to be out there, and I think we take that for granted that when we're out there running, we, we think we're supposed to have some magical feeling, but just the idea that you're just out there. And a lot of times I hear a lot of folks talk about just looking around at God's creation mm-hmm. and taking that in is so uh, – it, it, sometimes there have been times where I'm out on a long run and I'll just stop and I'll just look around because God's beauty is, is just amazing. Wait a minute, you can do that? You can just stop on a long run and it doesn't, you don't mean it start all over? <laughs> not supposed to. Oh, okay. Well, you know, another thing we talk about, Ted, is, is Dean and I coach a, a group of young triathletes, and we always tell them, go ahead and anticipate. If it's in a race or it's in a practice, go ahead and anticipate the things that are going to come into your head, the things like, this hurts. Yeah. Uh, this doesn't feel good. Because if you anticipate before the run or before the race what those things are going to be, you can decide now how you're going to react. Sure. You know, if you're in a race and and your body starts saying, this hurts, I don't want to do this, and you've already decided before the race starts, I'm going to push through that, you're much more likely to do that than if you have to make that decision in the moment. What are some tools? I know there's got to be some tools that when that happens, when those thoughts come into your mind as you're out there running and you're wanting to give up and you're wanting to quit, what are some of those things that you can do to push those thoughts out? Some of the things I do is I think about a mantra, and I tell folks this, that when here's the way I do it. When, when I start feeling down or I start struggling a little bit, I start to yell at myself. And I start to be ugly with myself. And if that doesn't work, then I start being really nice to myself. <laughs> and uh, one of the two usually works. I was in a race just a couple of weeks ago where uh, <laughs> I, I told somebody after the race, I said, I think I spent the whole second half of the race feeling sorry for myself. Uh, because it was muddy, it was nasty, it was cold. It just, you know, it was just one of those races. And uh, I didn't get myself out of that one. And I look back and go, ah, I, I should have I beat myself up or <laughs> I should have yeah. done one of those things. You know, Cheryl talks about in, the, in this story, she talks about John 10, 10, which is a passage that we've all heard. And, and the passage is, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. And that's true. I mean, it's, it seems like many times when we wake up in the morning and our feet hit the ground, that the devil's standing there, you know, and he's trying to put doubt in our head. Yeah. He's trying to quiet us. You know, a lot of times silence is the best thing the devil can use to to gain a, a foothold on us is is just silence us don't tell people what's going through you know i think dean, dean talked about some things that help him but it's telling other people you know i'm struggling with this you know having that accountability partner on in this journey this this 5k challenge journey uh having those around you who think like you and who have the same goals as you that's important yeah yeah we tell athletes that I, that I coach, I tell them that when weather is bad, we should look at that as a competitive advantage. Oh, wow. And this is a way to take something negative and turn it around because we practice in rain, we practice when it's cold, we practice when it's hot, and when it comes race time, if you'll look at that as, well, everybody has to go through the same thing, then you can turn it into a positive because you realize that nobody's any better off than I am. As a matter of fact, Sally over there may be really distraught that it's really hot out today, and I'm not, and so I I can perform better. And so uh, it's just take those negative things and figure out how to look at them positively. And a few minutes ago, back to Cheryl's story there, she used Scripture. Mm-hmm. Scripture can be a very powerful tool when you're out on a run. Right. Yeah, and, and she, she actually mentions another verse in there, which is kind of the, the run for God verse, Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a crowd of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And there again, that's that accountability part. And another thing she talks about 
she actually talks about a one-two punch and the, the first one being thankfulness, which we've already talked about. And the second one being why, always remembering the why. You know, that's when we started this journey back in week one, that's the first question we ask. Why are you here? Yeah. Uh, always write that down, number one. Post it on your mirror or your, your bathroom mirror or wherever you can see it every day. Uh, that's the most powerful tool you can have is remembering why you started this in the first place. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about injuries and things with Coach Andy. But before we jump there, Andy, how do you coach your athletes with the head game and with those thoughts and things when they're ready to give up and quit? Just like Dean said, we use uh, a lot of the imagery um, uh, of our comp- uh, of our competitors where you know it's a bad day, it's hot, it's cold, the kids don't want to be out there is you know we're out here other teams may not be out here and then use that to your benefit you know turn a negative and make it a positive if you don't like running in cold weather learn to run in cold weather you don't like running in hot weather learn and and then that way on race day or or, um, the next time you have a hard workout in those conditions it's a lot easier yeah next time we're going to come back and we're going to talk about injuries Did you know Mitchell's story of how Run for God started is being used all over the world in changing lives? Guess what? Your story, it could do the very same thing. You can walk through a simple process of filming your story on your own phone at the Big Share app. Check it out in your app store. And we're back with week number four of the Run for God podcast, and Andy Meyer is hanging out with us here. And Andy, I know you don't like to talk about yourself, but can you tell us a little bit about your background, maybe, that helps helps us understand, helps you understand injuries a little bit better than the average runner? Yeah, Ted, I, it, it began um, in middle school. I started running in middle school as a conditioning for uh, a basketball, then got to high school and my coach was like, you're pretty good at this. Why don't you uh, spend more time running? <laughs> so I did. And then uh, about 35 years ago or, or so, I was uh, ran here at UTC, cross country and track. And then uh, at that time, they didn't have a, a PT school here at UTC like they do now. And so uh, uh, went to um, physical therapy school at the Medical College of Georgia. And then right out of there, um, was lucky enough to uh, – uh, be offered a position at Alabama Sports Medicine, working with Dr. Andrews. Um, oh, yeah. uh, worked there for a couple years, uh, and then when it was time for my wife and I to start having kids, we moved back to this area, um, and then got into coaching as well. Um, it kind of started over there in uh, Birmingham. Y'all know uh, runners are a little bit different. Lot we're kind of crazy, and mm-hmm. so a lot of times, <laughs> yeah, a lot of times <laughs> the the other therapists and they're like, oh, a runner. Oh. I don't want to work with these runners. They'll never do what I say. And yeah. so, you know, being a runner myself, that kind of pushed them over. I, mean, I was like, sure, you know, let's let's get in this. And so um, I actually worked with a, a guy, a professional runner from ASICS who was from Maine and kind of got into helping him get back from an injury and then, and then advising him. And that kind of just led from uh, one thing to another. Um, and, and it's given me a, a huge um, a knowledge base on, on – injury injury prevention and how to get people back from injuries gotcha background dean does that say anything to you there that andy's background 
Yeah, boy, I wish I had that background. I'll tell you what, <laughs> as, as a coach myself, just uh, being able to understand injuries, that's probably the biggest hurdle to overcome sometimes is, is trying to get folks over injuries. I would love to have his knowledge. Ted, I, I've got a story, and Andy may have never heard me tell this before, but I've told this story about him several times. You know, Uh-oh. Andy, I've, I've watched him for years. He Uh-oh. actually coached me to my first Ironman. Oh, I don't know go. if coaching's the right word. He sent me plans and, and gave me some motivation. Um, but Andy's Andy's middle child was a professional cyclist. Wow. And I watched Andy. Andy started riding with him when he was much younger, and Andy was faster than his son, and and Andy kept training with him, and as A.J. got faster, Andy got faster, and Andy became one of those really, really fast older guys. And so you guys know that my son's a triathlete, and I thought, I'm going to take that same route. Yeah. So I, I started training with my son, and, and I was getting a little bit faster, and then all of a sudden I look up one day. and He's gone. And Lane's gone. <laughs> and I thought, how, how can Andy do that? And I couldn't do that. Right. I guess it's genetics or something. Must be. He, he Must became be. one of those fast guys, and I didn't. Surprised you didn't die out there on the rail, <laughs> on the bike somewhere. And let's talk about that, Andy, as we get started on that. Can injuries be prevented? Most can, and a lot of it is just overuse, and it, it, it's just so easy. A, a lot of times people, they don't want to quit. And and that's the, the, the funny thing about runners when a runner gets injured. You don't want to uh, break that training plan. You don't want to quit. You don't want to miss this workout. You can't miss this workout. And so um, uh, th- they just keep on going, and, and something small ends up being turning into something major. So what can be done? To prevent those injuries? Well, the, the biggest thing is um, what we, we tell our kids um, is we give them a 1 to 10 scale of injury. And understanding there's, you're going to have soreness as you progress through any training program. You, you're going to be sore. But understanding the difference between soreness um, and pain. And with that uh, injury uh, scale, if it's a 1 or 2, um, you know, you, you can train through that. If it's uh, three or four, then you, you definitely let, let us coaches need to know about it so that way we, we can get it evaluated immediately. And if it's something that's, that's a five or above, then we send you to the trainer. We, we yeah. send you to the doctor. I mean, there's, there's something. There's a there's difference between a sharp pain and a soreness and trying to, you know, get people to understand you can work through soreness. Are there certain things that help that help with that? Yeah, yeah, there, there is, you know, um, recovery. And, and as we go through these injuries, that, that, that's huge, is making sure you're getting proper recovery, um, uh, wearing uh, compression socks, understanding, um, you know, a, a big thing is, is being truthful for what your job is and what your position is through and during the day. Like if you're, you're, you're training in the morning and you, you do a run in the morning, well, does your job require you to stand all day? Yeah. Or is it a job that you can actually sit and get your feet propped up? Um, just, just understanding. Uh, a lot of people don't look at that. They think, oh, well, I've just trained and I put my running in. I'm going to go on and do my job. And they don't think that there's a relationship. And there's a huge relationship, especially if you have an active job. I know last uh, one of those couple sessions ago, we talked about gear and equipment. We also talked about shoes and how important Mitchell and, and Dean, they stress how that's the, one of the most important things is your shoes. I'm sure that has a, a lot to do with preventing injury. Oh, it, it certainly does. Getting a, uh, and, and I know Mitchell and, and Dean do a, a great job. Y'all have done the, the shoe guy already. I mean, you, you know, everybody needs to get a, a good uh, evaluation done, a lower extremity evaluation done. So that way you're in the proper shoe, whether you're a pronator, a supinator, whether you require a, um, a, a, a neutral 
type shoe, um, whether you're uh, biomechanically and uh, ergonomically sound. Mm-hmm. I mean, all, all those make huge differences. If you're in the wrong shoe, you're setting yourself up for failure. So for mom that's listening right now that's coming along on this journey, you just use two words, biomechanics, and I can't even remember the other one. You ergonomics. Said. Ergonomics, yeah. yeah right. Explain that in layman's term. What does that mean to her? Okay, your biomechanics is, is referring to basically your alignment. Um, you, you know, is your do you have some kind of of, of uh, natural uh, deviation from the norm? Do you do you pronate too much? Do you supinate too much? Uh, does your knee cave in? Does it cave out? Um, and then also, are you an efficient runner? Does do you um, have a, a good natural cadence? And, and both uh, um, uh, Mitchell and Dean, you look at a runner, and man, they've just got some of they've just got the most beautiful strides. And and, the, and you just like man, that's a runner. That is a runner. And those people, you know, they're using a minimalist shoe because they, they're just so efficient. They're 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 biomechanically sound, and they've got a, an ergonomic stride. And then you see people, and and we all have them on our team i mean um you know we've got a, a our, our number one runner and uh, i know dean and and uh mitchell know emily um she's a plotter and she'll be the first to admit it you look at her and her form is 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 not the best but yet it works for her yeah. now she's she uh uh is in more of a um a stabilization shoe than some of the other girls but i mean she's fast she's very fast all all southern conference but she's a plotter there you go what about stretching how much does stretching play into preventing somebody from getting hurt it, it, it's huge now there's a delicate balance you want to take with stretching you can overstretch um the muscles the tendons you need to have a um they need to have a tightness, a, a suppleness to them, um, because they store energy, mm-hmm. and then they'll release that energy. So just think of stretching as like a rubber band. You want to have a tight rubber band. You don't want it to be too tight. You don't want your muscles and tendons to be so tight that any kind of pressure you put on them, it snaps. Right. But at the same time, you don't want them so loose that it's like a dangling rubber band just sits there, and you don't get anything out of it. So. Um, uh, you need to stretch, but you don't want to overstretch, and that's hard. A lot of people also, I've heard, they'll they'll neglect the relationship between core strength and running. They think, okay, cardio, I just need to run and do cardio all day long and improve my running. I don't need to worry about the gym or lifting weights or anything like that. Oh, and and, and that's huge, and that's really – there's been a huge change in that, what, guys, in the last – 10 years mm-hmm. um, I, I know you know not to give away anybody's age but back in the caveman days when we when <laughs> when we all ran you did, runners you didn't hit the weights that's that was, not me Ted by yeah debating that that's forbidden you did not do weights you did very little stretching um, and now um, everybody's doing core everybody's doing weight um, uh, I was just at a coaching conference last week, um, and, and they have some of the best coaches from across the country. And everybody, I'm just amazed now, um, everybody's on some kind of weight training program across the country, whether it's at the D1 level, D2, D3, you know, everybody's on a weight training program um, and a core, and, and, and core, and, and they would put up these different programs. I mean, it, it's huge because it, it, it sets you, the, with the core, your weakest length with most people is that tummy is your midsection and so you don't translate 
energy efficiently through your body to propel you forward if you've got a weak just just think it's a chain your whole body is a chain and if one of those chain links is weak or one of those chain links um, is broken then that chain's no good sure you, you're not transmitting the energy that that you could um, with each stride back in back in my day Andy when I was at Georgia Tech in the early 80s we did do some weight training, but it was interesting that the coach just said, go in there and do something to make yourself stronger. <laughs> no program, just go do something. <laughs> yeah, Coach Woodlands at UTC, he would look at the wrestlers and what they were doing. He said, all right, we'll, we'll let you guys do some of this. And then after about 10 minutes, all right, y'all done? Let's go. Let's go around. Let's get here where yeah. it matters, yeah. right? Okay, so one other thing before we jump into some of the specific injuries is returning from an injury. Let's say that you have – injured yourself somehow and you're coming back how do you how do you how does that play into it i'll tell you that's a great question it's a difficult question i think as coaches it's it's hard because you you want to bring someone back as soon as possible um and a lot of it is is based on what i talked about earlier the the injury scale is somebody coming back from injuries We'll typically um, ask them during the workout, what's your pain level? What's your pain level? And if it goes above a certain, that three or four level, then you, you cut, we, we stop. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it, that's, that's pretty individualized and it depends on the injury and how long they were out. But it's, it, it's a slow progression. And one of the things um, uh, that I've taken a, an approach as, as a physical therapist that's worked well uh, as a coach is, all right, we're going to do one more week more than what you're ready to come back. Let's, let's say you, you're coming back next week. Well, we're actually going to wait the week after. Yeah. Is give somebody that extra week. Because kids and, and, and runners, for the most part, they're so motivated. They, they want to get back as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's putting that brakes on them. And it's hard a lot of times as a coach to put that brakes on because you want them back as soon as possible sure. as well. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like thoroughbred racing. You know, those horses mm-hmm. sometimes will run until they fall over dead mm-hmm. because that's just what they're, inbred, they're bred to do and everything. To know Mitchell Hollis here with Run for God is to know someone who's following God's will for his life. His story of how he used to be a construction worker in Dalton, Georgia, and now running Run for God ministry, it's pretty inspirational. Check it out right now at comeonletsgo.com along with many other stories. All right, guys. With our our uh, um, our runners right now, our participants in the in this program, they've been running now for four weeks. This is week four. Mm-hmm. What are some of the injuries that they may have? And let's see if Andy can help us out with those. Well, we can start with uh, Achilles tendonitis. You hear that you hear that a lot, or okay. just pain in the Achilles and, and tightness and that kind of thing. So, yeah, Achilles tendonitis. It's it's usually a lack of stretching. It's just pain in that in your Achilles tendon. And actually, uh, Achilles tendonitis, shin splints, plantar fasciitis, they're all kind of related in that they have um, uh, kind of the same pathology. It's usually tightness in the back of the calf. Um, and you'll be running, um, you get that soreness, and it's people they don't stretch. And, and that's, if you're not properly warmed up um, and you don't stretch before and afterwards, um, it, it's easily easily injured because that, that Achilles tendon, usually on the body, um, 
take your your thumb and it's just slightly smaller. That whole that whole tendon smaller than your thumb. So all that pressure in your calves, um, your soleus is going through that tendon, pulling on the back of your heel with every stride. Um, and you know it's 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 easily injured. Um, you've got to keep that thing stretched. You absolutely have to keep that thing stretched. Shin splints. People talk about that. Oh, I'm killing oh. me right in the front of my leg there. What? How how can you run through that? And fix that. Mitchell brought up a great point earlier. Too too much too soon. That's exactly shin splints. You're doing too much too soon. Also, you look at your footwear. Do, do you uh, you know you, you need to have a a padded shoe. Um, also, we get kids that have shin splints. We'll have them run on the inside of the um, track. We'll have them on the grass. Your, your surfaces. Um, that makes a huge difference. Um, uh, with shin splints, we've got a whole routine that we actually add to our um, strength training program where they're walking on the heels forwards, backwards, just um, uh, trying to uh, the anterior, the, the lower leg anterior uh, leg muscles you're trying to uh, strengthen. Um, and then again, it, it, that goes back to stretching, the, stretching your Achilles tendon. Got to stretch that Achilles tendon. Blisters is probably another big one that people may already be finding on their feet and things like that. How do you, what do you, what do you tell your athletes about blisters? Well, one of the things um, uh, about blisters uh, is making sure your shoe fits properly. Again, going back to footwear, um, your shoe needs to be fitted properly. You need to have socks. We get some uh, kids that, I mean, y'all probably seen those kids that don't wear socks. And then come in after a long run, you know, it's 90 degrees, and they come af- in after an eight-mile run, their, their foot's all wet, their shoe's soaking wet, and they wonder why they get blisters. Yeah. Um, you, you know, that proper wicking is, is keeping the moisture away from your foot. And one of the, the things we even do with some of our kids early in the summer, um, the guys, that they, they'll be doing a 15-, 16-mile long run. It's halfway through the run, um, we'll have them switch shoes. Put dry socks on, switch shoes, and they, we send them back out. Mm. So that way, that keeps that um, uh, uh, blister, keeps everything dry. You want to keep you want to keep your foot as dry as possible, and you want to have a good fitting shoe. Yeah, I think another thing you you hear a lot, and I don't know where this came from. Maybe it's just an old wise tale or something. But people get blisters, and they think, "Well, I need to, I need to tighten my shoes. I need to lace my <laughs> shoes up tighter." But that actually can make it worse. It, it's it, yeah, it certainly can. Yeah, yeah. So how do you deal with those blisters once you do have yeah, them? Once what do you there. do with them? Oh, they are. So now, um, well, we get on our kids first thing. For, for, <laughs> okay, you know, why, why didn't you do what we said? But then the second thing, once, once they've had um, our, our trainers do a really good job of putting some soft skin on them. And I, I know not everybody has availability to that um, commercially. Um, so uh, I'm putting some Vaseline uh, a lot of times, um, and and nowadays they they have um, uh, these band aids that have um, the wet moisture pods underneath them, and and a lot of times that just fits nicely, depending on the size of blister, right over a blister. Um, and then um, I, I've even heard, and we've had a runner put duct tape on their feet. And really? I, yes. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Never heard that one. Well, yeah. And and putting duct tape right over it, and then uh, putting your shoe back on. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. What, what about uh, they say duct tape fixes everything? So yeah, I guess yeah, you know exactly. What about IT band syndrome and stress fractures? Okay, IT band um, is something I think uh, I don't know if if you can call yourself a runner if you haven't had IT band. Everybody's had that IT band, whether it's your hip or it's your knee. 
Um, understanding the IT band, it, it, it's basically a, um, uh, a muscle mass that turns into a large piece of, of fascia of, of, of skin that runs down the side of your leg. It, it starts at your hip and goes all the way around the outside of your knee. And a lot of times the increase in heels will cause it, um, alignment issues, um, and just the IT band, um, it, the best way um, that, that we solve our IT band problems is stretching because that's a hard area to get a good stretch on. And so um, uh, I've developed a, a couple stretches through years of practice um, that we have all our kids. And, and, you know, stretch and ice, and within a couple weeks, it's gone. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. something that can be it's, – it's something we've all had, um, but it's something that if you stretch and uh, um, you, you warm up properly, you shouldn't have to have it. You shouldn't have to have it. And what about the stress fractures? Stress fractures. Um, a lot of people, yeah, it's an increase in mileage and your body's not ready for it. But we look at it as you're not recovering properly. You're not allowing the, 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 the body um, – the good Lord's given everybody an ability to regenerate. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't allow that to happen, it builds up over time. And you, you get a, you know, a stress, what's called a stress reaction, then it'll go into a stress fracture. Um, and so we really look at, again, what I talked about earlier is being truthful with what your day looks like. If, if you do a, a six-mile run, uh, let's say, of the morning, and then you stand all day, and then you go home and and you go to your kid's soccer game or you go to your mow the um, grass kids, or... yeah mow the grass you get back up you do an 8 mile run that next day you go stand all day you're not allowing yourself um, to to um, recover properly and over time a stress reaction will turn into a stress fracture and it's just where there's a breakdown in the bone and you'll see it in the feet you, you guys have seen it in the in in the lower leg um, occasionally you'll see it um, in the femur or maybe even the hip especially for a female um, rarely you'll even see it um, um, in the groin area um, but it's 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 devastating when one gets diagnosed because you're you're done. You're absolutely done running. You can you can cross train, and that's something that we add in a lot um, during our program. Um, we will have kids cross train uh, a couple days a week to allow them that time mm-hmm. for the for the uh, proper recovery. Um, but again, uh, it goes back to the uh, to pre- prevent a, a stress reaction into a stress fracture is recovery is wearing your recovery socks, getting your legs elevated. Um, we do ice baths. Um, you know, just taking the time. You've got to. You know, one of the things we tell our kids: don't be afraid to be selfish for yourself for recovery. Because if you're not, nobody's going to tell you to recover. Nobody's going to make you get in boots. That's something you've got to do. And just taking, you know, Mitchell's talked about. You you just take 10, 15 minutes out of your day um, to do things properly, and it it just it, it saves you so much time down the road. So, Andy, let let me ask you a question. I want you to talk to this guy or this girl because we see it in every class um you know this program is written you run three days a week but it never fails the first few weeks we'll have that lady or that guy come in and i'm sure they're listening right now that everything feels good and they come in and they're bragging to me saying i ran seven days this week explain to that guy or that girl that man or that that female what, what that's going to do. I, I've said it. Dean said it. Let's let them hear 
from an, an expert in the field, what seven days, having never run in your life or been years since you've run, you feel good, you go out and you run all seven days, why is that a negative? You're going to get a stress fracture, <laughs> or you're going to get another injury. Your body's not made. You may feel good, especially that first week, ten days, maybe even two weeks. But after that, it, it adds up. Especially as we age, your body takes longer to recover. Your body is not the same. There's, you don't have the same uh, hormonal level for recovery. Um, uh, you you know, depending on again your job and your family situation, you have an increase in in, in stress level, a cortisol, which inhibits recovery. So you. you You've got to look at you know the program in it. You've got to allow yourself. You don't when when you train. That's when you stress the body. You don't make improvements when you're training. You make the adaptations when you're at rest. That's when um, uh, the good Lord regenerates the body. It's at rest. It's not while it's training. That's the stress that stimulates the the recovery process. Because you 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 want to with training. Basically, what you're doing is you're you're tearing down the body. Mm-hmm. With rest, you build it back up. Yeah. And seven days, it's constant tear down, tear down, tear down, tear down. You're, you're just digging yourself a hole you're never going to get out of. After two weeks, three weeks, you're not going to get out of that hole. All of a sudden, you develop all this pain, mm-hmm. and, and all that adds up. And then you're going to have to take an ex- sp- extended period of time off to get yourself back out of that hole. And I'm sure, Dean, we, we see it with, with college kids all the time. They'll come in, they're feeling great. I can do more. I can do more. I can do more. I want to do more. And, and trying to put in a, 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 a lasso as you said, Ted, on a thoroughbred, it's it's hard. You know, as a coach, you 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 love that motivation, but at the same time, you know what's coming down the road for those kids and 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 um, the, the the people going through the program that don't stay on that add more than what's necessary for the program. The number one reason for starting a fitness program like this and not completing it is too much too soon. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. While we have all our, our Run for God students, we have Andy here, so we don't have to go pay a copay. Let me ask you two more real quick questions. Running on a treadmill, and all of a sudden your feet feel like they've gone to sleep. Shoes too tight? Shoes uh, can be too tight. Um, you know, if it's both feet, that's exactly what I would say. Um, and then if it's just one foot, then you may be looking at something biomechanical where you'll need to see a doctor, you'll need to see a, a therapist, depending yeah. on, on, on your situation. And then the last question I have for you in this section here, you wake up in the middle of the night with uh, Charlie horses in your calves. Is there a way to prevent oh, that, that or there not? There certainly is. Give me a banana. <laughs> that's yeah. That's ex- that's hydration. That is that is it, it's simple. It, it, it's hydration. And nowadays, there's really no excuse because there's so many um, great um, low cal or no cal. Uh, uh, drinks out on the market um, that provide um, uh, the the electrolytes necessary to bounce because mm-hmm. especially in hot weather um, you, you, uh, people that are heavy sweaters um, the, your electrolyte balance you, your hydration is off and there are so many good you know, ga- you know without endorsing anything but but Gatorade Zero is a, a great drink. you have the Powerade Zero now you have Life Water that has these electrolytes I mean there's sure. so many great uh, drinks that as soon as you get done you know people don't realize it and they don't think about it but the key one of the, the biggest keys to recovery 
um, that we harp on our kids is hydration. Yeah. If it, 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 it's just, and it's so simple to do. Just just drink, drink as soon as you get done, and and then keep sipping on something. It's just so simple to do. But it's something you know you you get home and and you've got this to do. You've got a dinner to to bake. The kids need this. You've got homework to have to get done. I mean, it's hard. You forget about things, but it's something so simple that 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 can help out so much. And Andy, if they don't have access to to something like an electrolyte drink, just drinking water is critical. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we've covered a lot of information. Not that those two things ever happened to me, by the way, Andy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we've, we've talked a lot about, Dean, this information is all in the 5K Challenge book. Yes, all this information is in the book. Um, it's in a kind of a summary form. Um, it's a good place to start if you have these things. So so hold on to those books because uh, you may want to refer to them later um, because you probably don't have one of those injuries right now That's if you're right. listening, but you may at some point. Andy, as we wrap this up here, um, anything else about injuries that you want to share with us? No, you know, just just be truthful what your scale is, and and don't. Uh, I mean, Mitchell and Dean, they they've put so much time into this program, and and if you have to miss a day, don't stress. Do mm-hmm. not stress. Missing a day does is not going to make or break the overall um, success of your of your program. Um, just as long as you're consistent through the whole program, missing a day because you're overly sore is not going to be a big big deal. Great advice. Dean, what's our quote of the week? The quote of the week comes from Winston Churchill. A pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity. An optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. Pretty good. Sounds like it's all about perspective to me. Well, as we wrap this up, tell everybody, Mitchell, about the workouts this week. Well, we, we kind of kept things the same for the past two weeks, but we're going to increase this week, uh, and we're going to increase just a a little. And no worries, because you know all about injuries now and how to prevent them. Exactly. And you know, don't jump ahead. That's right. Uh, but for this week, we're going to obviously start with that five-minute walk, so critical. Um, and then we're going to jog for 90 seconds. We're going to walk for 90 seconds. We're going to jog for three minutes. We're going to walk for three minutes. And we're going to do that twice. Um, so jog 90, walk 90, jog three, walk three, and then do it again, and then your five-minute cool down. And like I said, you've got the walking plan. Um, stick to that if, if you're planning on walking. That's great. Uh, but the the best piece of advice, Annie said it over and over. We have all said it. Don't jump ahead. There you go. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week. And, hey, don't forget, get your 5K Challenge materials right now if you haven't already. And listen. You want to be the cool kid out there running around? Yeah, get that 5K uh, Run for God t-shirts and all those other items that are available at runforgod.com. And don't forget you can subscribe to the Run for God YouTube channel. Click on the bell to get notifications. There's the Run for God app. There's everything you need to do to be successful. And don't forget, when you're there at runforgod.com, the, run, the, the peace with God link that's so, so important. Anybody want to say anything else before we wrap it up? I think we're good. I think no. We'll just do that. (laughs) We'll see you next week for week five. You've been listening to the Run For God podcast. To find out more, visit runforgod.com.